Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Level up, human. The comedy science podcast, souping up the Homo sapien. Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the show that looks at the human race and tries to figure out how to make it better. This is a Royal Society special recorded live at the Science Museum. We're taking suggestions from our panel, from our audience, and from the natural world to work out exactly what the next stage in human evolution should be. Tonight I'm joined by our judge, deciding what ideas we will incorporate into the species. On my immediate right, it is Paul Sina. What kind of ideas are you hoping our panel will come up with? What would you like to see in our species? Anything that can put a smile on my face. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not really qualified. To, I'm as qualified to judge this as the American population are to judge who should be the next president. That's, <laughs> that's, that, uh, and I, I want something to put a smile on my face and go, yes, there is actually hope for humanity. Rather than just, like, I don't know, facial surgery, which would do Rather something than, similar. Uh, I don't think facial surgery will... Uh, put a lastoplast over all the problems in society. I look for something revolutionary for my panellists that will really shake things up. So you've heard that, you're up for a challenge. Well, on my immediate left, we're joined by expert in her field, it is Holly Bridge. Right, Holly, let's just make sure I've got this right. You're a Royal Society Fellow and Neuroscientist based at the Oxford Centre for Functional Magnetic Resonance Imaging of the Brain, also known as FIMRIB. And that other voice you heard there is our other guest, our other expert, it is Steve Lee. (laughs) Steve is a group leader and a Royal Society Research Fellow at Cambridge University in single molecule biophysical chemistry. Um, You can also check out his fab podcast, The Science Shed, where he doesn't fluff as often as I do. We'll also be getting ideas from our wonderful audience here at the Science Museum in London. Give yourselves a big round of applause. Um, to get us going, our panel has brought along some news stories of what's going on in the world right now and happening already. Uh, why don't we start with you, Steve? Yeah, sure. So, um, so one of the things that we uh, work on in my lab is fluorescence. And so if anyone doesn't know what fluorescence is, it's a really simple phenomenon. And all it is is that you take light of one colour and a molecule emits it a slightly different uh, colour. So, so normally it's, well, it's always red shifted. 
and you find that a lot in the uh, animal kingdom, particularly in the sea. So um, things like uh, the uh, jellyfishes kind of glow green. In fact, that was a, a, a Nobel Prize in 2008. What I found is really interesting. So uh, there's a frog that's been discovered that fluoresces. And it's one of those really interesting things is that on land, there's only three animals that fluoresce. But in the sea, there's thousands of different types of fluorescence and bioluminescence and all these things. And that's predominantly because things are far apart in the sea and to kind of find a mate, you have to kind of fluoresce. And in, in the natural world, there's a parrot, there are uh, scorpions fluoresce. And literally two weeks ago, they found a frog that kind of glows and glows, glows under kind of low light. Uh, and and uh, when there's lots of blue light here, kind of at twilight, and they think it's useful to, for, so the frog can find a mate. But there's 7,000 different species of amphibian and only one of them fluoresces. Can, can I ask what's the difference between fluorescence and bioluminescence? You absolutely can, yeah. So, <laughs> so bioluminescence is a chemical phenomenon. So something that happens in like a, in like a, uh, a firefly is kind of the mixing of two chemicals that gives out light. Fluorescence is one thing that you shine blue light on right. and green light or red light comes out. So it's just a kind of slightly different process. One of them is just physical, one of them is about exciting an electron, and the other one is about kind of two chemicals mixing. It gives out, rather than giving out heat, it gives out light. I didn't know there was a fluorescent parrot either. That's fluorescent nice. parrot, yeah. There's a small part of me imagining cyclists going around London now with parrots strapped to them as a means of, <laughs> a means of surviving. Well, that's brilliant. Um, what about you, Paul? What, what's caught your eye in the news today? Well, first, um, my background is sort of medical in that I was a GP for, for uh, seven years before giving up to become a stand-up comedian and professional quizzer. So my, 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 I still follow medical stories more than any other scientific stories. Uh, and uh, there's a story that's just come out last week um, but there may be hope uh, for patients who suffer strokes. Uh, hope from an unusual uh, direction, really. Um, the Darling Downs funnel web spider. Not any other kind of funnel web spider, but specifically the Darling Downs funnel web spider, a lethal spider in Australia. And scientists have discovered that in the molecule of its venom, um, there, is a, if it, there are, is a protein that can help prevent brain damage following a stroke. Wow. Now, how you find that out, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, officially, they examined the chemical in the, uh, in the venom, and they noticed it was similar to another chemical. It, it, it's hopeful. I mean, I love the fact that scientists trapped and, in, the, in their own words, milked exhaustively three, <laughs> three spiders on Orchid Beach, you know, which is near Brisbane. I mean, you, you've got to say, as, as a job for a scientist, that's like a journalist being told, we're sending you to Aleppo. It, 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 it's, 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 not, it's not the dream job, I don't think. I don't think anybody went into a, a either medical or veterinary school thinking, I want to milk the most poisonous spiders on Earth. I met a guy once who is a snake milker, like, again, for venom, for the same reason, which is, yeah, the weirdest thing imaginable. What gets worse is, because he's been doing it so long, not only is venom lethal, he's become allergic to the venom. And he's also therefore allergic to the anti-venom. Wait, how could you not be allergic to venom? Because um, like, not it's a pretty allergic thing. I suppose <laughs> not. Not all venoms work like that. Some venoms are necrifying. So right. effectively, because they're being aerosoled because of the milking them, ah, he is, is an this allergic the guy played by Tobey Maguire in a series of films? <laughs> <laughs> is this is the same guy? If he, if he survives, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and they've tested it on mice. Uh, and apparently it's worked, although how you tell whether a mice has had a stroke or not is a moot point. <laughs> and the other, the other thing to say, of course, is there's two types of stroke. There is the, um, the blockage in a blood vessel, and then there's the bleed. This, this is only helpful for the blockage because it thins the, it, it thins the blood. 
What about you, Holly? What's your new story? What have you got with you? Um, so my new story is very, very highbrow. Um, <laughs> so they have found in the brain some neurons that they believe are responsible for people who go out and eat a lot after they've been out drinking. Um, so you might wonder what they get funding. <laughs> what they actually did, what they actually did to work this out. So, um, so there are neurons in the brain that are responsible for hunger signals. And if you've been drinking all evening, the idea is that actually you've, had a, you've already had quite a lot of calories. And normally, if you eat a lot of calories, you won't then go out and eat again. And similarly, um, you know, if you've been out and you drunk a lot that wasn't alcohol, you wouldn't go out and eat again. But eating, uh, drinking a lot, and then going out, you eat way too much. So, so, my, so the general idea was that this could be social, it could be social factors that lead to this. But what they did with these, they found these neurons, which are responsible for hunger, and they got some mice, and what they decided to do was give them a, essentially a binge weekend. So, <laughs> so they started off for three days, they injected into the stomach saline, so just salt water, um, and they monitored how much they ate. The next three days, they actually injected ethanol, alcohol, into the stomach and monitored the food again. Um, so they got three days, three days of probably feeling a little bit ropey. And then the next three days, they went back to the saline. And what they found is that in those three days when they injected the ethanol, you got a massive increase in the amount of food that was eaten. And out to the audience, which do you think ate more, the male rats or the female rats? The male rats ate an awful lot more, yes. So you got a bigger jump in the male rats having been injected with the ethanol. Please tell me they've called this the kebab neuron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's better than that. So they also have a transgenic mouse where you can switch those neurons off. And if you switch off those neurons, you actually get rid of that effect. You stop them going out to binge eat after they've been injected ethanol. Presumably any late night kebab shops or chicken shops that are found to have mice in them, because they know, no, it's not that, we're not filthy. We're taking part in a very highbrow neurological experiment. <laughs> Could you actually make the trigger alcohol for the transgenic thing? So if we switch on the neuron, you have a drink and therefore it switches off your hunger. Which means that if we just drinking booze as a diet pill now, actually. <laughs> we can say it's a lifestyle choice. Yeah. I don't know what it's like for people in this room, but for me, one of the problems is you often forget to eat when you're out drinking, and that's a significant part of the hunger. You're so focused on the concept of getting drunk, uh, and you, you, you remember that an old wives' tale that if, you, uh, that if you eat too much, you soak up the alcohol, you get drunk a lot less less quickly, and so you kind of just forget to eat. I, I speak as someone that woke up today to find a fried chicken box in my living room, but I had no recollection of how it got there. Or, um, At least those neurons are working. So you, can, you can yeah. pick up that food. That's what, that's what I said to myself. You're a winner, Paul, you're a winner. It Your was, neurons are working. It was carried by the mice. Okay. All right, well, that's what's happening in the world right now, but let's get futuristic. What would you like to see in the humans? Paul's well, gonna be judging. Why don't we start with you, Steve? Stephen, what is your pitch for changing our species? So, so one, one of the things that we're kind of interested in the lab is um, the molecular basis for kind of neurodegeneration. And there's a real problem there is that in things like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease is that when your brain has this uh, uh, incredible ability to rewire itself, so this is so-called so -called plasticity. So the idea is if you, if, you, um, if you hit yourself on the head, you can learn things again. If you have a stroke, you can learn things again. But if, you, if that doesn't work in other machines, if you, if you hit my laptop with a hammer, it breaks. 
Um, and uh, but 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 the, one of the troubles with these diseases is that because your brain's constantly rewiring itself, when your neurons are dying during these 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 diseases, they're not replenished, and your brain's kind of dealing with it. Uh, and then by the time you become symptomatic of these diseases, it's too late because. Uh, or a lot of, uh, so in the case of Parkinson's disease, about 80% of the neurons that produce dopamine are dead. Um, so um, there's lots, there's a big push. So currently, this is the most sophisticated tool to diagnose Parkinson's at the moment, is that if you go to the, the Institute for Neurology at UCL down the road, the, there are two questions that correlate most strongly, and they have no biochemical tests. One of them is, can you draw two interlocking pentagons, and can you name more than five animals in 30 seconds? And if you can't do both of those things, that's the diagnosis for Parkinson's disease. So that seems really dumb, right? There's no kind of uh, biochemical test. And it's primarily because your neurons don't regenerate. So my idea, for, which I think for the next, for kind of leveling up, would be to have some kind of way of regenerating neurons. And that's, with the exception, there are some neurons that do to regenerate. The majority of them don't. Um, so I, I would like to see the brain to be able to regenerate some of these neurons to kind of make us live forever so we stop getting neurodegeneration. In fact, it's even more interesting, there was a really interesting paper published about Alzheimer's disease and it looked at the correlation between uh, smoking and, and the onset of the disease. And they all, uh, and, and actually the, the efficacy, the, the, the findings of the paper were that people that smoke didn't get Alzheimer's disease. So the Daily Mail gets hold of this, it's a fantastic news story, smoking saves you from getting the disease. And then, whoops, what, was, what was interesting is they, took, they gave it to an informatician and they looked at it, and actually what they found is the biggest single predictor for this disease was age, right? So all that was happening is people that were smoking were dying. And they weren't getting Alzheimer's disease. So I think, I think if, we, if we could regenerate our neurons, then it means that a lot of these diseases would, would, wouldn't be a problem anymore and we carry on living, because at the moment, the long, we're generating all these problems for, for, to live longer, but we're always, everyone gets dementia on a long enough time scale. Paul. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you, it's interesting, but you, you may be guilty of slightly stating the obvious, if you don't mind me saying, which is if we stop something bad, that would be good. What I'd be interested to know is where are we in actually, where, where are we at in actually the pro? Because surely it's an inevitable, at the moment, it's an inevitable consequence of your genetic makeup, your environment, well, and the aging process. So, so if you look at like your liver cells or something, you know, they'll regenerate. In fact, most of your cells in your body will, but your neurons will live 80 years without the mm. same neuron that you were born with. You know, has to have all these kind of mechanisms to maintain it. In fact, in a lot of the other cells in your body, they have what's so-called uh, apoptosis, this programmed cell death. They can't live forever because mm. if they do, the current belief structure is that that leads to other problems like cancer and things. So it has a self-regulating mm. process. But if you did that with the neurons, you'd forget stuff. So you have to keep them alive to remember you know, who you are and your memories and things. Um. Smell. Smell neurons regenerate. They are they're constantly being remade. What? Why is that? Of all the things that should disappear as you get older, I thought. <laughs> well, it does still get, I mean, they regenerate, but actually they, your smell does get worse as you get older. And in fact, it's one of the first signs of Alzheimer's disease is you get uh, loss in your Oregano, apparently. So when you lose the smell of oregano, that's one of the big... Japanese paper fog. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, they can't do it anymore. They have no idea why. And are there, are there, I mean, you mentioned Parkinson's. Are there known risk factors to Parkinson's that we worked on on a, on a, on a larger scale in terms of education? In, in, you mean in terms of genetic profiling? Yeah. I mean, I mean there, there, there are, but to be honest, we, we really don't understand the mechanism of disease. So what we're trying to do in my lab is work out tools to be able to see it. So there's a really great quote from um, uh, uh, Richard Feynman. He said in the, the Plenty of Room at the Bottom speech, uh, he said, it's very easy to answer fundamental questions in biology. You just look at the thing. 
right? And it's still true. We're just still trying to look at the thing. And we just don't have the technology currently to look at a single, a single oligomer or a single... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Protein aggregate damaging a neuron uh, yet. But that's what we're working toward. And once we've got there, we'll hopefully understand how, how the, the, the disease occurs. And then the idea is once you can see that, then maybe you'll be able to think of a way of fixing it. We're going to have to keep moving. So, Paul, is this on the short list? Oh, very much so, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So, regenerative... I don't know what's coming next. Can, can I just add one last thing? So, we, we're going to argue about scale. Yeah. But, but they've just started scanning about 100,000 people's brains. Um, and they start them when they're about 45. And the idea is that you look across all those brains, and of those 100,000 people, there will be 5,000 who get motor neuron disease. There will be a certain number that get Alzheimer's disease. Now, actually, what you'll be able to do, instead of having to wait until 80% of your neurons have gone, you'll actually be able to look back and say, okay, what was wrong with their brain 15 years before they actually got the disease? And although uh, Steve might argue that I don't look at single molecules, we will actually be able to see we'll what, what the early markers are in those brains. So that, that is looking very hopeful, and that data being collected, those data being collected now. Um, it's, a big, it's a big problem, right? Should we be looking in my brain now for when I'm 80? Yes. Or should we be looking in people's brains when they're 70? We just don't know that. Well, if you're volunteering for dissection, you've got the pets <laughs> backstage. Holly, right. you're up, though. What is your pitch going to be? So I am the neuroscientist, uh, and I, I, look at, I look at how our brain can change in all of the molecules in our brain together. So I use magnetic resonance imaging, and as, as we discussed at the beginning, one of, one of my areas of research is what happens if you're missing a sense. So in the case, for me, it's people who are blind, but the people that I've looked at are specifically, they, they've never had any vision, so they haven't had eyes. And what that means, why that's so special, is because during development, if you've got your eye, you've got the retina, which is light-sensitive, even before you're born, that starts doing work, that starts connecting up things within your brain. If you don't have that retina, you get no activity of those visual areas in your brain. And the visual system probably activates about a third to a half of your brain. So it's a large area right at the back of the brain. Um, in those people, what happens, that massive area of the brain starts to do other functions. So we know, for example, that an area that normally deals with visual objects, so when I'm looking around at the table, at the bottles, this area will become active. 
And in those, in those blind people, it responds to language. So they'll, they'll get brain activity there when we're, they're coming up with words, particularly words associated with objects. As many of you will probably know, blind people will tend to be very good at doing auditory functions. And it's probably quite likely that extra brain power that they've got is due, will help them with doing those tasks. So where am I getting to? My pitch then is that um, that sort of that sort of reorganisation in those people obviously happens very slowly. If you go blind, you know, at 40, 50, which is when a lot of the blindness starts to occur, you don't get anywhere near as much change. My pitch is that what we could do is that we could um, speed up that sense of plasticity, so that actually, if I'm concentrating on talking to you, I don't really need to be. Um, hearing what else is going on. So what I want to be able to do is I want to sort of dynamically send those resources to what I'm actually interested in doing. And I think there's probably two main advantages of that. One, I get better at the task that I'm doing. And two, I don't even try to multitask. So I can ignore all that distracting information and I can concentrate on one thing, which I so, think so is lo like, we're losing. So you know like on like the Enterprise when they reroute power to the shields, exactly. that's what you want. Don't to do. try yeah. and drop in a Star Trek <laughs> <laughs> reference so casually, like and as if we all know. Did you all know? Yeah. Of course yeah. it was. Oh. Do you know I, I was playing um... <laughs> to your people. <laughs> May you live long and prosper. That's the right one, right? Yeah. Okay. May the force be with you. <laughs> Oh, I've, I've got to tell you something. After, I, I did a, a gig for the 60th, 60th anniversary of Star Trek recently. Does that sound right? And I had not been prepared for the sincerity 50th. that there would be in the crowd. 50th, was it? 50th. Yeah. 50th. Um, anyway, uh, they asked me who my favorite character was, and I said Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> but the audible intake of breath. Anyway, look, back to this, this thing. So when you're a plasticity... you weren't lynched. <laughs> if they had the upper body strength, they would have done it. That's all I can say. Um, <laughs> that was cold, wasn't it? I'm sorry. Look, here's the thing, though, right? This neuroplasticity, does this mean if I just, like... I've got a son right now. If I stick him in a cupboard in the dark, will he be an amazing poet? John Milton is just one person. You don't know that. There haven't been a million. Dollars. I guess the ultimate he would be a better poet. And is it worth it? That's the other question. No, is that what you're proposing? That's why, so that's why you want to be able to do it sort of dynamically. I wouldn't advocate for you to blindfold him and let him walk around and concentrate on his what he's listening to and listen to the birds singing. Um, but if you could do that, that'd be quite nice to do from time to time. Is to just take out another sense and concentrate on the remaining senses and see how much better you get at using them. When you say take out another sentence, do you mean something as simple as putting earplugs in? Well, yeah, or... so this, is, this will be nature's noise-cancelling headphones. Right. So you put on your, your noise-cancelling headphones, you switch off your auditory brain, and you use it to do something else. Read the shields. That's what you do. Yeah, but can't you just do that by putting on some headphones? <laughs> no, but we're, we're, I'm actually giving you the brain. This is the modification. I want to actually give you the brain that would be used to doing that. Turn off the bits right. of your brain that you As a professional brain. comedian, I love the idea that I could be speaking and I can't hear any of the heckling or booing. Essentially, that's what it, that's your sort of, it's a bit like having your stroke. So you turn off those bits, but we're going to use them for something else and we can get them back. That's the idea, that we don't lose them like we did straight. So right. you, you turn down the listening to the audience and turn up the wit as a result. Although some yeah. people would say that those two things are connected. Well, that's the thing. How much is, I mean, how, to what degree do you need all five senses working 
all the time. All the time. We've got to get moving. Is this on the shortlist, Paul? Yes, very much oh, so. Oh, crikey, kind of you're easy to please. This is good. Yeah. Well, audience, I'm sure you can please him as well, and perhaps even better. If you have any ideas, stick your hand high in the air so we can get to you as soon as we can. Hi, my name is Jack, and I, my idea would be um, skin, where you could transfer nutrients from person to person, and that way you could cure obesity and malnutrition. You could, you could transfer nutrients. I thought you said a uterus for a second, and I was thinking, actually, that'd be cool as well. That's a whole different pitch, but nutrients. So you're talking about just, are you basically saying eat the rich? Yeah, yeah, the rich can like places where people don't have enough food and they can make themselves feel good by sharing their nutrients without having to spend money. What do you reckon, guys? I think food is more useful to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, if, no, if, not if, everyone has food. That's true. Everyone has skin. But if, I, if, I was every, if I was doing if I was doing a special comic relief thing in Ethiopia or Sudan, <laughs> I would personally pay for I'd much rather personally pay off my own wages to provide food than have them feeding off my own skin. I don't think they need to eat it. Call me old-fashioned. You just say it absorbs through the skin, skin to skin. There is a creature which always does something like this. The Saga Sicilian is one of the few creatures out there which, um, when it's feeding its young, overproduces skin and allows them to eat it. It basically feeds them via eczema. So we have a proof of concept, maybe. Oh yeah, oh there's the, sorry, the important question. Is that on the shortlist? They're all on the shortlist. Jack, oh great, so Jack's idea is um, a passing of nutrients. Okay, wonderful. Hello, my name's Sarah. Um, have you thought about any improvements to mental health? Maybe increases in empathy or something like that? That would be amazing, but you'd need an empathometer, wouldn't you? And that's quite hard to... <laughs> Holly! Can you, can you tell us more about this? Actually, how does empathy work in the brain and can we fix it? I study the visual system. Oh. But, um, well, surely you know about mirror neurons then for, uh, for a visual system where you see something and you feel something similar? Would that be fair? Yes. Um, so, the, yeah, again, the, measure, the measurement is an issue. Um, as with, I mean, obviously, with, as with all mental health conditions, you need to, you can only get them through talking. Um, I mean, perhaps being able to read off those, finding a way to read off those signals without people having to express it would actually make life a lot easier for diagnosis and for treatment because you'd be able to see the effect of the treatment without having to rely on a sort of subjective response. So I think from that point of view, that would be really useful if you could actually get some sort of objective measurement um, and then you, could improve, then you could also improve it. I mean, a, a couple of things. Number one, GP consultations could be longer because, that, mm. because sometimes you, a patient comes in and you go... I actually want to spend half an hour with you, not the requisite seven minutes. But also, this starts very early. We're now living in a society where people are spending half their lives not communicating directly with other human beings, but communicating on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. It needs to start early. And to, to do something literally, kids should be encouraged to spend a day in the shoes of another school kid. You can only say so much in a dick pic. That's true. <laughs> um, but we, we are living in, in, in a society now where increasingly people aren't directly communicating with each other and the concept of empathy is one that, is, that suffers as a result. So is that on the list? Are we talking like an empathy patch? Yeah, so levelling it up so everyone it's like an upgrade. feels connected to others. So basically ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> Saying nothing at this point. <laughs> 
is that it? So you're talking about like just making people feel more for each other, making people nicer. I mean, there are some uh, diseases, things like schizophrenia and things like that, where again, the, the origin of those things is actually again poorly understood. And it's going to again what, what Holly was talking about about diagnosis is that a lot of these things, uh, mental health conditions or other, are actually sometimes it's very difficult to know you've got them. So if you've got one specific disease, sometimes you can give a test. And if you can't do that with some problems in the brain. Or, or then it's very difficult to fix it because you don't really know what's wrong. You, know, you don't know how, how, if you were to give someone a drug, how that would even work. You know? So it's really about trying to see it. Is it on the short list, Paul? They're all on the short list. Oh, correct. This is a long list. You're going to have them. Well, we've got one final thing for the short list, which is an idea that we're taking from nature because I want to play as well. Um, here we have... Can you describe this for the people at home, Paul? Uh, that would appear to be a kangaroo. Yeah, it's, a, it's an easy description for this one. Um, this creature, it has a wonderful thing called diapause. This is something that 2% of mammals have, and it basically means that when they get pregnant, they can put it on ice for a while. They can hold it there. Mm. And just imagine, like, I think if I was a lady, I met Mr. Wright, or, you know, I was having one of those days as, you know, I'm punching above my weight. I found a guy who's doing, you know, basically if I was looking for a mate who I think has higher genetic quality that I can normally bat, <laughs> then maybe I'd like to hold on to that fetus for a little while until I need it. Would this not be a good adaptation? This comes back to empathy. <laughs> how, how long can they hold on to it? I'm not exactly sure, but I know that it's over, over various mating systems. Some people thought that actually something like this might happen in humans, but there's very little proof for it. But this, this idea of diapos, it's in... Yeah, it's 2% of all mammals. They can basically... It means actually effectively that whenever a kangaroo gives birth, they can already be pregnant with the next one, ready to go if necessary. What do you reckon? It's on the short list. <laughs> it's not going to win. <laughs> well, okay, Paul, we're, we're at the end, so you've got a hard decision to make. Uh, I've, I, I've, I've made my decision, and they're all, they're all good ideas. I think the... Uh, the skin nutrition is going to be impractical. The empathy one I completely agree with. I think the idea that we should look to be regenerating uh, neurons to help prevent degenerative diseases is of course correct, uh, but I suspect that, that research has started, is, is in process, and is continuing. Whereas, so the, I'm going to go for winner, I'm going to go for Holly, uh, because essentially I think all of us, when you were speaking, were probably thinking, would I be better if I put my head silent headphones on? Would I get more done? I think the idea of cutting off one of your senses uh, to improve the productivity of the ones that you're focusing on is a very interesting idea, uh, and one that uh, we could all we could all actually put into practical use as soon as we get home. So I'm going to I'm going to make Holly the winner. There you go, Holly. How, how do you feel? How do you feel about this huge responsibility for changing our entire species that has now been rested upon you? Um, well, I'm honoured, and uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have a busy weekend. So, we're going to take that idea and patch it into our species like some kind of superpower genetic Lego. We've only got one final thing to do before you go. First of all, give all our people a wonderful round of applause. We've had Holly Bridge, Stephen Lee, and Paul Sinner. <laughs> Of course, the fantastic audience here at the Royal Society Special, the Science Museum. This has been Level Up Human. I've been Simon Watt. Thank you and good night. That was Level Up Human. 
hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.